Welcome to today's episode of Leukemia Chatters. I'm Zach Pemberton-Whiteley, I'm Patient Advocacy Director and I'm joined by my colleague Nicole Scully who's the Communications and Fundraising Director here at Leukemia Care. Hello. Uh, today's episode we're going to talk about spot leukemia, awareness of leukemia and the campaign, what we've been doing throughout September and how important it all is in terms of early diagnosis. Um, so let, first let's talk about awareness of leukemia. Um, what, what's the campaign that Leukemia Care runs? So we know that actually, although a lot of people know what leukaemia is, they know the term leukaemia, but they don't actually know what leukaemia is. So leukaemia is the cancer of the blood. So spot leukaemia is all about raising awareness of what leukaemia is and its signs and symptoms. So we've been doing it all year this year, but September is Blood Cancer Awareness Month, so we went all in this September to make a big difference. And hopefully you've seen the messaging everywhere about spotting the signs of leukaemia. So why is it important that the public understands the most common symptoms of leukaemia? So leukaemia, unfortunately, it's a bit vague. So a lot of the symptoms are like flu, so fatigue, like cold stuff that won't go away, so frequent infections. And the, diagn- the uh, emergency presentation rate for leukaemia is about 37%. The National Cancer Average is 22%. So it's near enough double what the average is. So we think that's quite scary actually so when we talk about emergency presentation that's people turning up at A&E with these symptoms and finding out in a bit of a shock that they actually have cancer so we need to raise raise the suspicion so people will go to the GP early and get that crucial diagnosis no matter what what the diagnosis may well be. So September's over now what have we been doing to raise awareness with the public specifically throughout September? Oh what haven't we been doing (laughs) it's been a, a busy month so we've been doing, so there's a few public things that we've been doing. So if you have a subscription to Sky and you're over the age of 50 or so, you may have seen an advert from us, from Spot Leukemia, so where we literally talk about signs and symptoms of leukemia, encourage people to come to our website to find out more. Um, fair few people have seen that. Yeah, well, it's, so it's really exciting. I think the first time for us as a charity doing any advertising of that yeah. sort. One of the other things that we've been doing is billboards up yeah. and down the country. Can you explain what we were doing with the billboards and why we were doing So them? we've had the billboards there. The, what sort of ones that you see at the bus stops? So the electronic, they change over. So we had billboards in approximately 400 locations and they're all within 500 metres of a GP surgery. So hopefully people will see the billboard and think, oh, I need to book an appointment. Uh, they ran for about a week at the start of September and we actually had a phone call through to our helpline because of some of the, these public initiatives that have been seen, which was really good. So obviously the message is getting out there and hopefully GPs have seen a few more people who are saying that they might they think they might have these symptoms. One of the most exciting things we've been doing is our campaign of shining a spotlight on leukaemia. What, what was it? Why were we doing that? So because we've turned 50 and obviously it's about leukaemia, we wanted to go very public. So uh, we wrote to hundreds, if not thousands, of public buildings and asked them if they'd turn red. So other cancer campaigns have done it in the past. It's the first time it's ever been done for blood cancer. So we had 65 buildings across the UK went red. We had Blackpool Tower. Belfast City Hall. Liverpool uh, City Hall. Yeah. One of my, one of my personal favourites was the windmill at filed near Blackpool. Yeah, that was really, really nice. But we had, we had some brilliant light-ups and we had the BT Tower on the 11th of September display the message of spot leukaemia, which was amazing. Yeah, I had so many people from London sending me pictures um, that just seen, just seen it. We had a really cool animation graphic which you can see on Twitter if anyone is interested in seeing it. 
And obviously we're really grateful for everyone who uh, did the light with us. It was all free of charge. But we've had a lot of people asking, you know, what was it for? A lot of interest. And hopefully just raised awareness of leukaemia. And for us, obviously as a charity, we want to put out the message about leukaemia. But for people who are interested, we want to tell the story a bit more. And we, we tend to do that through people sharing their stories, which again, we should probably thank them for, for doing that because we couldn't tell this story without them. We had 36 different patient stories that went out throughout September. Um, and we put them out primarily in two different ways, put them out in the press and in social media. Um, so what kind of stuff were we doing in the press and how did it go? So press-wise, we did a lot of... Uh, so a lot of local people going to our local papers to talk about how leukaemia affected them. Real wide range of stories this year. I mean, we kicked off the campaign actually in the middle of August with Kerry Hanno that you may have seen on our Facebook as well. She was diagnosed with leukaemia at 28 weeks pregnant, which obviously is a very shocking story. We've had other stories picked up. So Jan and Mark Hurley, who are also on our Facebook and our website, um, in an incredible odd story, both Jan and her husband Mark have been affected by acute leukaemia in the past 20 years which we'd never really heard of before, which was quite, quite amazing. We've had a range of chronic stories, people with acute leukaemias, and their message is really clear. They just want other people to know so they could probably find out a little bit sooner because most people were actually saying their stories, they were not aware of the signs of leukaemia and it came as a real shock. And we've had some really strong national coverage, but we've also had over 80 different regional stories. Why is regional press important? Regional press... As you know, everyone gets their lo local paper through the door. It's really important to to stress to people that you know anyone could get leukemia. Pretty much, there'd be every, a single person in every single community across the UK that will be living with a leukemia. So we're trying to you know raise the awareness locally. It makes a real difference to get into the, those regional papers. They've got a massive reach. I mean, I think that the combined you know, newspaper reach this year is been over 50 million people across the UK which is incredible really. Yeah I'm, I'm told with my statistics that I've got here in front of me that it's nearly 59 million. Yeah so um, that's the sort of difference that the regional press can make. Um, and one of the other things obviously we've been doing is social media that's something we do as a charity all the time our comms team put hours and hours <laughs> into doing all of that um, and I'm, I'll just read you out the statistics because they're absolutely amazing from my perspective. Um, so from our Facebook account in the campaign, we reached over 2 million people from our own posts alone. Um, from Twitter, we reached around half a million people from our own account. And more broadly on Twitter, we reached over 10 million people with the campaign. And that, one of the things to say from that probably is it's not just about leukaemia care broadcasting. It's about people joining in the conversation, yeah. using the spot leukaemia hashtag adding their own story to this experience. Yeah, so we've had a lot of that this year. A lot of people weren't aware of actually coming forward and using the hashtag and using it to explain about their own experience. And it's been a way of actually joining communities together on, on Twitter as well. Been a lot of patients talking to each other using the hashtag. It's been, it's been a really interesting campaign this year. Um, at, the at the start of the month, we obviously recorded, recorded early on this year a podcast with Roman Reigns as well. And we launched that the first week in September. And that went a bit crazy on Twitter as well this time. Obviously, a lot of wrestling fans were trying to educate about what leukaemia is. And that's been downloaded a lot of times, a lot of mentions. But actually, despite he, he has a huge Twitter following, actually, there's been a lot more co coverage on Twitter generated by normal people just talking about spot leukaemia campaign. 
And one of the big things you mentioned, obviously, people listening to say Roman Reigns, and they then have a little click through and listened to the podcast of him sharing his experience. That's happened more broadly with the campaign anyway. Um, so we've had over 130,000 web hits relating to the campaign whilst it's been running. And one of the things, and, and unsurprisingly, the Spot Leukemia page is the most popular from that. But what it then shows is we're not just putting this message out there. People are listening to it. People are acting and people are then coming through to pay attention to it and trying to find out more information as a result. Yeah, I mean, we've had a huge uplift on our website, loads of requests for, for merchandise. So we've spent many hours packing bags in our boardrooms. If, you, if you've ordered any merchandise, we've packed it with our own hands in this boardroom for hours on end. But it's been brilliant. People have been requesting symptoms cards. We can even tell in certain areas where um, information's been shared. We've had a large number of requests in the small postcode area, which shows that the message is getting out there. We've had volunteers taking posters and flyers to their local GP surgeries. Yeah, the response has been really, really good online. Very sh- Lots and lots of shares as well of the content, which makes the biggest difference. And we've talked about social media. We've talked about media. One of the other things that we did, which was really cool, a bit more of a traditional form, was radio. Um, so we're not, she can't be here with us today, but one of our usual podcast stars, Kate, did an appeal with the BBC. Um, could you tell us a little bit about what that was and why it was important? Yeah, so actually going back 12 months ago, we applied for a Radio 4 appeal as part of our 50th year. And we were very lucky we got it granted in September 2019. So it's been about six months in the making. We wrote a script. Kate, uh, we actually had the choice of we could either look for a celebrity ambassador or we could use one of our own people that we knew. We knew strongly from the beginning we, we didn't want to use a celebrity so it was really important for, for a patient to tell their own story. So we chose Kate. Um, a lot of you will probably recognise Kate from previous podcasts but last year she uh, shared her story and it actually went global about her experience of a- APM. So she told her story on national radio and it got played out three times in the week and had a really, really good response. A lot of people commenting, sharing. It was, And she did an incredible job. A lot of people wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't think that she wasn't a seasoned radio professional if you listened to it. So she was very, very good. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Um, so obviously pu- public awareness is one side of the campaign and we've just obviously talked about all of the amazing things that we did in September. The second side of it in terms of improving early diagnosis is about healthcare professional education. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, we've been working with the Royal College of General Practitioners since 2015 to do online training and now in-person training for GPs. Um, we had one of those events in early September with GPs up in the northwest of England, um, which was really helpful for us to understand the particular issues they're having in the northwest, but also to provide that education to GPs. But we've also, for this September, been doing a variety of new things that we've been launching specifically around healthcare professional education. So firstly, why is it important that we as a charity are doing healthcare professional education? What's the problem? So one of the problems is um, leukaemia is hard to diagnose. If you went to a GP with a lot lot of the basic symptoms of leukaemia, they could attribute it to probably a number of illnesses. What we're trying to do is to raise that suspicion in the minds of GPs that if you get a cluster of symptoms together that maybe they should ask for a blood test, request that blood test, and if there is anything suspicious, make that urgent referral to haematology and get it sorted nice and early. Obviously, GPs, they probably see about 60 patients a day. There was a million one things that people get get diagnosed with, so it's just improving that level of knowledge and putting it at the forefront of the minds that maybe they should think leukaemia 
when these symptoms are mentioned. Um, and we hope that this will actually improve the emergency diagnosis rate. So at the minute, it's far too high, as I've previously said, about 37%. We need to bring that down, and we think we can do that through primary care professionals. So one of the really cool things we've done this September is we worked with Gateway C, which is a can an online cancer educational platform, to launch uh, two modules, one focusing on acute leukaemia and one focusing on chronic leukaemia. Um, what are maybe some of the differences for people who don't know between acute and chronic leukaemia? So acute leukaemia um, generally comes on quite quickly. Um, acute symptoms, as, as hinted in with the name, um, and usually needs quite aggressive treatment, but curable. Chronic leukaemia is normally lifelong, as in chronic, but treatable rather than curable. So if you get diagnosed with CML, You'll generally take a tablet called a TKI for the rest of your life, and that will basically keep the leukemia symptoms at bay. For someone with CLL, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, they might be placed on watch and wait, so they're actually waiting to see if their leukemia will progress before they get any treatment. But there is this big difference between the two. We've, we've tried to tell the story of both acute and chronic leukemias this year, but we do think it's important that Gateway C have addressed that the two different types of leukemia in two different ways on the training platform. I've done the training platform. I think it's really, really good. It's very interactive. I think GPs will really enjoy it. And obviously we've had the news that they've got funding across the UK for two years now. And it won't just be GPs. It'll be G uh, the nurses in the practice. I even think that practice pharmacists can take the course as well. So anyone working in primary education has the opportunity to do this free training online, which hopefully will, will help raise that suspicion of leukaemia. And you, you mentioned pharmacists as well. One of the things that's really important is 20% of patients we know from our own survey will not see a GP before they're diagnosed with leukaemia. So obviously we can do this public awareness, we can do GP education, but in terms of reaching those 20%, we need to think of different ways of doing so. Um, so hopefully people will have seen that we have launched online training from Leukaemia Care for pharmacists, but what, are we, what is it? What have we been doing to promote it? So the pharmacist has been really interesting actually. So See, pharmacists may well see someone who's presenting with flu-like symptoms, but it actually could be a leukaemia, so we think it's really important. So as well as we've launched an online training course, which can be found at leukemiaelearning.org.uk, so it's free for any pharmacists to take. So it's a 1.5-hour course, which could be used towards accreditation. But as, alongside that, we've actually given out nearly half a million pharmacy bags, so the sort of bags that you give, get given your prescription in. On the one side, it's got all the signs and symptoms on leukaemia. The other side, there's a general public awareness course, and we've also included a flyer to the pharmacist encouraging them to set this course. So we're trying to tackle it from all angles on this one. We know there is this potential where a pharmacist may well have the suspicion that someone's symptoms are more than just what the patient thinks they may well be, and they could make that they could be urging their G, the, their patients to go see the GP and get that referral to haematology. And the really cool thing I think about them is the e-learning is specifically focused at symptoms that pharmacists may see on a day-to-day -day basis and when they think they should be concerned it's leukaemia. It's about providing that extra information so they know when to signpost. Because we've also done something similar for both dentists and opticians. Um, and I, I think it's really interesting because we've had patients come to us who have been diagnosed by a dentist or who've been diagnosed by an optician. And again, we've been launching tailored educational content for them, focusing on the symptoms they may see. So what are some of the things that a dentist or an optician might be able to pick up? Yeah, so the other healthcare stuff is really interesting. So dentists, bleeding gums, 
some people think it, it could just be gum disease, but a, a dentist will recognise what is beyond normal bleeding of the gums. Ulcers in the mouth, which is another big dental thing. I mean, for opticians, we've actually got quite a few patient stories that we've found where there's people have been diagnosed by their optician. So um, bleeds behind the, behind the eye, which can be picked up in a routine eye check. So obviously we'd urge everyone to go get your eyes checked anyway, because it's a good general health check for your eyes and it could show up a lot, lot of things. Uh, there's a thing called rough spots and that can be an indication of leukemia. And basically a lot of them are manifestations of uh, groups of uh, high, high white blood cell counts. But there's a lot that can be spotted by a GP or optician. I mean, if you are a leukemia patient that is treated by a um, a dentist and they're not particularly comfortable with your leukemia, it might be worth referring them to it as well. Because it can be a bit of a specialist area. You know, we get questions from CML patients like, do I need to stop treatment before I have dental treatment? Well, dentists are more than, you know, more than free to give us a call if they really wanted to talk to us. If they're unable to get that information, we can always find it out for them. So September has now come to a close. Finally. <laughs> yes, I, I echo that feeling. Busy month. It's been um, a really good month, but busy. And I think probably one of the best campaigns we've ever done as a charity, yeah. certainly the biggest in terms of the number of people it's been reaching, um, and really good to put kind of leukemia on the map this September. And, you know, it's been great from our perspective. There have been other campaigns like Made Blood Cancer Visible, which we also got in, got involved with. So hopefully the general public awareness of leukaemia should actually be quite a high right now because it's been constant <laughs> for the last six weeks. And as you said at the beginning of the podcast, we've been doing stuff throughout the year. Obviously, September is the biggest bit of the year, but we, we can't say what it is at the moment. We, we have got plans to continue doing some really yeah. exciting stuff for the rest of the year. Um, I can see Nicole's itching to tell you what it is, I'd but love we're not to allowed be, I'd to. I'd love to be able to say what, what it is, but we should be able to announce in the next few weeks. It is big. It's big for us as a charity, but it's actually big for blood cancer as well. Uh, and it really will put a spotlight on, uh, more on what it's like to live with a blood cancer as well. I think that's crucial, is actually to explain the experience. Cause it's one thing to, for us to talk about what the symptoms are, but this is actually how people live and deal with lots of everyday issues with blood cancer, you know, work, employment travel, huge aspects of people's lives. And that's certainly one of the really important things of people telling their story as part of the campaign is, it's not just saying this is what leukaemia is. We don't care whether people necessarily know what leukaemia is. What we want to do is we want people to understand it, but we also want people to make sure they visit the healthcare professional at the earliest possible opportunity. And that's hopefully something we're going to keep doing throughout the rest of the year. Uh, And we will tell you more about it in a future podcast when we're allowed to do so. So thank you for listening for our little wrap-up podcast of September and Spot Leukemia Campaign. Bye. Bye.